And it's just like, no, no, you don't understand. Yeah. This actually tastes really good to me. I mean, really good, like craving yeah. really good to me. And once your taste buds change, like a slice of pizza is just too salty. It's uncomfortably salty and greasy. Like it just doesn't taste good. And you'd much rather have, you know, eat a date than eat a, you know, donut. There will come a time. I know that sounds crazy to people. And not to mention how you feel afterward. So again, right, it's not choosing. It was, yes, I could live long and help the planet, but at a sacrifice, right? But no, there really isn't any sacrifice. It's just you, you get benefits from helping the earth. All of a sudden, you get healthier too. That's awesome. You can actually get more pleasure out of eating healthier foods. You don't just get more pleasure out of those foods. You actually get more pleasure out of everything else that you enjoy in your life because you've so sensitized those pleasure pathways within your brain. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. Today, I bring you Dr. Michael Greger of nutritionfacts.org. You'll hear me stumble a bit at the beginning, giddily happy to be talking to someone who's a hero of mine. I left that in because... I sound kind of like a, a school kid, but he's someone who's brought, and his research and his videos have brought me so much joy and liberated me so much of worrying about things. So many people look at diet as something scary. And for me, you'll hear in my conversation with him, and I'm sure you've heard me in other conversations, food is just such a source of tremendous joy for me. I highly recommend watching all of his videos, especially the ones that I link to on my page, which are his superhero origin stories about how seeing what happened with his grandmother inspired him to become a doctor and to become all the stuff that you hear about, watch those videos, hear from himself where all of this came from. But really, I recommend watching all his videos. They're usually five to 10 minutes. I've watched a lot of them. And every time I watch, it changes my diet a little bit more, but really brings me more freedom in what I eat, knowing that he's not saying this is a diet to follow. It's just knowing things about food and you put together a diet that works very well. And as I said to him, I bragged to him, that I came to how he recommends eating from a totally different direction as I came to it from minimizing waste. But I found it a wonderful confluence of interests that we both end up at the same place. Now, he brings a lot of science to knowing the nutrition side of things. I look at more of the pollution side of things, but they work together very well. But the big thing to listen to is, in my opinion, the joy, the euphoria, the physical pleasure that comes with what he would call a whole foods plant-based diet. And what to me is avoiding packaged food avoiding foods with fiber removed, and not eating meat. Diet being my gateway to serious environmental action and leadership, and most of all, to discovering that after, you know, there's a transition from the old ways of having to figure out how to cook from scratch. But what that led me to is the joy and deliciousness, saving money, community, meaning, purpose, value, passion, fitness, and all these things that come from, it's not just effortless, but it actually gives me energy. That is, it's the opposite of taking effort. Once I made the transition, this is a liberating part of my life. 
So I bring to you one of my role models and someone who feels like a mentor, Dr. Michael Greger of nutritionfacts.org. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spedek. I'm here with Dr. Michael Greger. Michael, how are you? I am doing well, thank you. And thank you for coming on. I do not subscribe to almost any newsletters, and I subscribe to yours, and I don't like binging on anything, but I binge on your videos. And so ah. I was just kind of saying before I hit record that like, I feel like I know you because I've seen your picture, your videos so many times. And uh, so this is me, sorry, being, being kind of fanboyish, but uh, thank you for being here. <laughs> I am happy to be here. Anything I can do to help. Now, I want to put up some videos that I hope everybody will watch because your videos, there's a ton to watch, and I recommend watching basically all of them. I'm going to put up a couple about your origin story about you with your grandmother. And so I think people should watch that and understand where you're coming from. And it's, it's not just about, it's about you, your family, the American medical system. So hopefully they're pausing now, going back and watching those. You are incredibly enthusiastic and you keep at this. And what got you going? Is it necessarily what keeps you going? Oh, well, it's, uh, it's the tremendous amount of suffering in the world. Unnecessary suffering that uh, gets me up uh, out of bed every uh, day. Yeah, in uh, those videos, I talk about my grandmother, whose uh, own life was saved with evidence-based nutrition. And basically, look, if my grandma didn't have to die like that, no one's grandma has to die like that. The fact that we essentially know the cure to the number one killer in the United States for both men and women, and we have since July 21st, 1990, for decades, yet hundreds of thousands of people continue to die every year in the U.S. alone from this preventable, arrestable, reversible condition. It's like, you know, I got to scream it from the rooftops. And that's what started me down this journey. And I realized there's all sorts of stuff that's buried in the medical literature that could help my patients, but just doesn't have kind of a corporate budget driving its promotion. So it requires somebody to get out there and just tell people about it because, uh, you know, no one's making money out of it. But uh, the only profiting I care about is your health. So just because it needs to be done, it's partly I'm asking this from an environmental standpoint also because I work on the environment and it, similar things affect me coming from my direction. And a lot of, it's so easy to just say, you know, I'm putting my finger in the dike and it's, I don't feel that way, but different people have different reasons. And I, like, it's still, just because it's necessary doesn't mean that you would enjoy doing it. Like you're really happy about it. Am I, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> You love what you do. And some people just fixing problems isn't, they're not necessarily enjoying it so much. Well, I mean, I think that's, you know, if you're going to design the ideal life, you want to be able to use your strengths. You want to be able to do something you enjoy. You want to do something that makes the world a better place. And it's about finding that Venn diagram of those three things that come together. And so look, you know, some people just may have a natural knack for, you know, filmmaking or something. So they should go out and make films. What kind of films? Films that make the world a better place. And hopefully they enjoy it as well. I just, uh, you know, love research. If in a sane world, I'd be actually, you know, tinkering away in some basement lab somewhere, characterizing some, you know, enzyme for the next <laughs> 50 years, you know, I mean, that's, in fact, I actually started out MD-PhD in the medical science training program because I really wanted to do research and do everything else I'm doing. I just realized really can't do it all. So not everyone can be Noam Chomsky, I think, is the bottom line there. And so uh, I decided to uh, really focus instead on the advocacy, getting out the research that's already been done. I mean, we don't have to spend another penny 
on research, save hundreds of thousands of lives. And if we're really interested in saving lives, then, you know, uh, our money shouldn't be, wouldn't be in research. It would be, you know, in getting uh, cheap fruits and vegetables out to people, right? But, you know, you just, and there's a feeling of meaning in one's life. I'm sure you feel it um, trying to save the planet. I mean, it's just like, you know, I mean, I don't know how else people get through their day unless they're spending that day, you know, feeling like they're contributing. I mean, you look around, there's just so much, so many horrible things happening in the world, but I can look myself in the mirror because I'm doing one small part to make it better. Yeah, I'm glad you got to that. At the, that meaning part really resonates with me that, yes, it's it's so great to have meaningful purpose in one's life. And yeah, I really f- see that in what you're doing. I want to ask you something. There's a view that I've d- adopted and I'm going to share with you and, and I'd love to hear what you think about it because you were talking about saving lives. And I'm not sure the way I should have put it. I'll put it this way. If you hit your head against the wall, you're going to get a headache and you could take an aspirin or you could take uh, uh, morphine and it'll make the pain go away. But you can also not hit your head against the wall. And that's, I don't think of that as a cure. Like, I don't think of eating vegetables as medicine because it's like, that's like saying not hitting your head against the wall is like medicine. And it's like, uh, it's only medicine if if what is normal for you is fast food. Then you would say that's medicine. And I like to think of eating vegetables and like, or, okay, okay. Already say, let's see how many of the daily dozen I've knocked off. Because I had some stew from last night. So that had red beans and great northern beans. It had kale. It had bok choy. Then I had my kind of smoothie thing. My So that had the oats, whole oats. I had nuts, berries. You're making me hungry. Oh, man. it's and it, Most of all, right? Here's something I don't hear in your videos, that how incredible stuff tastes. I know it's tough to do double-blind controlled randomized experiments on like, how does it taste? It's very subjective. But to me... Like when I start, first started eating this way, it was it was kind of a chore. But then I learned how to cook, and it's like it's convenient, it's cheap, it's and it's most of all really delicious. And people don't get that. Yeah, I know, I agree. And because our palates have been so deadened by the industries churning out of hyper fatty, hyper salty, hyper sweet foods, such that you know the ripest peach in the world would taste sour after a bowl of Fruit Loops. I mean, we've just been. You know, our poor taste buds have just been uh, pummeled upon. But the good news is that you can really have the best of both worlds. That once you start eating these processed foods, then all of a sudden your natural, natural foods taste good. I mean, you can literally like corn on the cob, no butter, no salt. Oh my God. But I mean, the first, I mean, but the first time you try it, you may not, you know, and you're like, oh my God, I can't imagine living my whole life like this. But then you realize, well, wait a second, after a few weeks, and they do these experiments. You can't do experiments where you have people salt soup to taste, for example, and then you put them on a low salt diet. And then, you know, two weeks later, you bring them back and then you have them salt soup again to taste. And you can see that they, they prefer it with significantly less salt. In fact, you give them their original soup that they liked and they actually think it's too salty, right? So eventually, you just got to stick with it. And then, you know, you just get this, uh, you, again, you know, the best of both worlds tastes great and it's cheaper and it's like, be- I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah. It's win-win all around. Yeah. I, people, people with me, like I eat an apple. I'm like, oh my God, this tastes so good. And, you know, I always had ice cream in the freezer for, you know, most of my life, adult life. And now it's like, I look at it, I'm like, how would it, ah. and <laughs> the, the way I like to put it is that 
now fruit is, I have more sweetness in my life mm. and less sugar. And what I really want is sweetness, not sugar. Right. And, and there's all the nuance and flavor. And like a peach is just like, it's like, uh, I can't even put into words. It's like a religious experience. And it wasn't like that before. Right. But it's it's kind of weird that it's always been available. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to brag also. <laughs> I came to, when I found your site and started watching it, it actually reinforced habits that I'd gotten into, but from a completely different perspective. What started it for me was I looked at my garbage and I saw how much trash I produced. And it was, I was really uncomfortable with that. And I gave myself this challenge to go for a week eating no food or buying no food that was packaged. Mm. And it was a really tough week, actually two weeks I made, but I really liked it. And now at the beginning, it was like a lot of steamed vegetables with salt, pepper, and maybe a little vinegar on it. But then I stuck with it and I stuck with it. And the pressure cooker was a big deal because I I was getting dried beans. And at first I was just boiling them on the stove and the rice cooker is now like five minutes cooking time for the lentils. And so now everyone who listens to my podcast knows this. The last time I threw out my garbage was September. The time before that was July, 2017. Jesus. And it's like a very little garbage produced, but it happens that like my daily, your daily dozen, I was hitting all the time anyway. And I noticed that actually environment stuff is popping up. I think more in your videos now than it was before. Is that, is that intentional or is. Yeah. It's certainly something I uh, try to include. Yeah, absolutely. Is it something, I mean, cause health, it seems to me there's a lot, a lot of correlation between healthy behavior for your body and healthy behavior for the environment and, and the planet. Is that a direction you might consider going into? Well, I mean, it certainly I have when, uh, you know, instrumental uh, uh, research has come out. So, for example, the New Lancet Eat report, yeah. which, you know, I mean, every year, you know, some new report comes out from some prestigious institution saying the climate effects of eating essentially a healthier diet. I mean, the Venn diagram of healthier for the planet, healthier for you, healthier for the Earth's inhabitants is really quite, it's like a circle, basically. And so, uh, yeah, no, I feel good about those, uh, those kind of, uh, you know, uh, positive implications, positive side effects, and frankly, find them much more uh, motivating for some of the younger audiences that I speak to. So when uh-huh. I go speak to college campus, I mean, they're not, you know, I, I can talk, you know, you know, heart disease and stroke and breast cancer all I want, but uh, what seems to motivate behavioral change for them is, you know, caring about some of these larger issues like the climate. And so, frankly, look, whatever does it for people or they care about uh, animals, whatever gets you eating healthier, all I care is what's happening in your arteries. I started to jump around a bit. I want to go back to what I asked before because I forgot to actually ask you. I'd like to say that I think that if you say that eating vegetables or a whole food plant-based diet is particularly healthful, it feels like that's saying what's normal is the standard American diet, and that makes that health healthy. And I like to think of it more as whole food plants-based diet is normal, and the other things are unhealthy. Maybe it's just wordplay, and maybe it only matters to me, but I feel like to me that motivates me more to like to go to the farmer's market. That's normal to me. And the supermarket, everything except the produce part is to me abnormal and kind of a weird place to be. I mean, also to me, it looks like a lot of landfill garbage. Mm. Has you ever, have you ever thought about that perspective? Does it resonate with you in any way? Uh, no, and it's not, uh, so a whole food plant-based diet isn't just normal and natural, it's literally normal and natural. So for millions of years, we evolved eating what? Basically what our fellow great apes eat, and that is, you know, 
roots and shoots and leaves, in other words, vegetables and fruits and, I mean, and, you know, nuts and seeds. And, I mean, they were eating whole plant foods until, uh, so basically since the Miocene era, which is, you know, 20, 24 million years ago, as we and our uh, great ape cousins evolved, and then only relatively recently, in the last 10%, around 2 million years ago, we started using tools. And then, God, a couple hundred years ago, we have a, we have a mill where we can grind, we can refine, quote unquote, our grains. And then we learned how to boil sugar cane. All this is all relatively recent stuff, a blink of an eye in evolutionary terms. But so it's no wonder that a diet centered around whole healthy plant foods should be healthiest because that's the diet through which our biochemistry involved, through our anatomy, our physiology. But these are the foods that we're really meant to eat. It really is natural, normal to eat healthy food. And it doesn't take long before the stuff that I, I really grew, I grew up thinking, you know, potato chips and pretzels, I thought of them as normal. And now it, I can't describe the change. People are like, how do you have the willpower? I'm like, how do you have the willpower to eat what you're eating? <laughs> yeah, it's really, you know, someone will see me, a coworker will see me, you know, eating a sweet potato, uh, you know, steamed sweet potato or microwave sweet potato with a little cinnamon on it or something. And they'll look at me as if, as if I'm like some aesthetic monk. Like, oh my God, that's great that you can eat that way. But I mean, there's just no way I could eat. And it's just like, no, no, you don't understand. Yeah. This actually it's tastes better, really good yeah. to me. I mean, really good. Like craving yeah. good to me. And, you know, so we just... And once your taste buds change, like a slice of pizza is just too salty. It's like uncomfortably salty and greasy. Like it just doesn't taste good. And you'd much rather have, you know, eat a date than eat a, you know, donut. There will come a time. I know that sounds crazy to people. And not to mention how you feel afterwards, right? Oh, yeah. It's um, so I great. mean, so, I mean, yeah. So again, right, it's not choosing. It was, yes, I could live long and help the planet, but at a sacrifice, Right. But no, there really isn't any sacrifice. It's just kind of, it's just, you, you get benefits from helping the earth. All of a sudden you get healthier too. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I can't describe. People are like, my doormen see me sometimes walking out the door and I'm eating uh, cabbage leaves. And they're like, what is that? I'm like, you know what you, you know, you eat but those potato chips? Picture that, except there's more, there's so much more nuance and subtlety and it's still, and it's crunchier actually. And I'm long past the feeling of like, what if people see me? I'm like, it tastes too good. <laughs> There's something I've noticed lately. You know, for a while I've noticed like chopping vegetables and putting stuff together. It's kind of meditative. But I've also noticed, I don't know if there's studies on this. Is it just me? I feel like when I eat really delicious food, the, you know, whole foods, plant-based stuff, I feel like I'm actually like euphoric. Hmm. The best I could figure is like maybe that sugar high that some people get, that some people describe, maybe that's spaced out if it's being or maybe it's like some sort of endorphins or I don't know. Is it just something that I'm noticing, but I feel, or is it something that people have noticed that you know about? Well, so no, so you stick people into a FR, fMRI kind of brain scanner machine. You can see, you know, the parts of their reward pathways light up when you take alcoholics and give them a whiff of whiskey, or you take uh, drug addicts and you show them a picture of drug paraphernalia or you take people who are overweight and show them a donut, show them high-calorie-density foods. They don't have that same reaction showing them something with low-calorie density, like cucumbers or something. But then if you switch your diet, you can actually change such that they, uh, you can get that same kind of, kind of pleasure response, kind of reward response 
to healthier foods. And that actually has implications to other areas of your life as well. It's actually the same system. And so when you're when your dopamine system, when your reward pathways get dampened down by taking these shots of concentrated sugar and fat and salt, that dampens your reward pathways for every other pleasure in life as well. So that's why, for example, when cocaine addicts, for example, have uh, experienced uh, dampened uh, uh, pleasure during sex, um, it's because they're, they're, I mean, the same pathways provide those same kind of pleasure sensations. And so by dampening it through one end, it kind of has this universal effect. And so you can actually get more pleasure out of eating healthier foods. You don't just get more pleasure out of those foods. You actually get more pleasure out of everything else that you enjoy in your life because you've so sensitized um, those pleasure pathways within your brain. Awesome. I, I, I thought there was something going on. Did you do, I don't remember seeing a video on this one. Have you done videos since? In the conclusion of How Not to Die, I talk about it a little bit. Okay. I'd love to see more on that. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable. Join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. I have some questions on specific my, some, some of my diet stuff. Okay, I've watched the nut videos multiple times. And I still, can you just say to me, like, it's, it's hard for you to believe that if I add extra nuts, it's not like it's adding a lot of extra calories, but it's studies show that it doesn't make people overweight or things like that. But can you just repeat that? Because it's, it's so good. It's like too good to be true. Yeah. Right? So, um, so, so for like example, the, so the global burden of disease study just um, had their, their latest iteration. This is the largest study of risk factors for disease in human history fo- uh, funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Literally the largest systematic f- review on diet on the effects of diet on health ever in human history. So they just came out this year with their latest, which is actually 2017, but it comes out in 2019 because it just takes so long to churn through the data. And they found that the number one killer on planet Earth, the number one cause of death is diet, killing millions of people more than smoking. So, okay, well, what about diet is killing people? And the top five changes that they encourage people to do and you think, what, that get rid of soda, get rid of processed meat. No, the top five changes, number one, add more fruit to your diet. Number two, add more nuts to your diet. Number three, add more whole grains to your diet. And uh, add more vegetables. So fruits, vegetables, nuts, whole grains. And five is uh, decrease sodium. And so those are, the, those are the most potent things we can do. So interestingly, um, some of the most powerful impacts on our health are things actually to add to our diet rather than subtract, ironically. And one of those is nuts, absolutely. So it's, it's one of the few foods, I think there's only two foods, which have been associated with, with literally years extended lifespan. So if you compare nut, nut eaters to non-nut eaters, and you control for all the other factors in terms of smoking and exercise, et cetera, nut eaters live significantly longer, and so do people who eat uh, dark green leafy vegetables. And so those are like the two foods where single foods, not just dietary patterns, but single foods are associated with living a significantly longer life. It's not just observational population studies. 
Uh, the Predimed study, for example, randomized people, took thousands of people, randomized them to years of getting nuts in the mail every week or not, or being told not to eat nuts. And the way you get people to eat more nuts is you send them free nuts every, every week. And they did end up uh, eating significantly more nuts and had, uh, after three years, were having half the number of strokes compared to those randomized to, to not eat nuts. So adding nuts to your diet can st- cut your stroke risk in half, or you can think about it the other way. Not eating nuts doubles your stroke risk. Like it's a really risky thing to That's do. That's the way I think about it, yeah. So is there an upper limit? I mean, I eat like half a cup, a cup a day. I, like maybe not a cup a day, but I eat nuts like, I mean, it's, it's almost my only source of fat. The most important thing is you're getting an ounce a day. So it's a, it's a quarter cup. And so that's the daily dozen recommendation. And so then, you know, then but that's, those are minimum recommendations. Um, that's the equivalent of two tablespoons of nut or seed butter. Yeah. So, I mean, your source of fat should all be whole food sources. So it's nuts, seeds, avocados, nut butters, seed butters. That's it. So it sounds like you're doing it right. Awesome. <laughs> I will enjoy them more. And the jar of olive oil that I have, it's just covered with dust from... I don't know the last time I, I bought probably about it years ago. I've, I haven't touched it every now and then someone comes over and they'll have some of it. And I think that when I was a kid, orange juice was viewed as healthy. And now I think people generally view orange juice as like just sugar. I think is olive oil going to eventually get that? Not, not olive oil in particular, but oils in general. I feel like mainstream hasn't quite gotten that, but I feel like at some point we're going to look at olive oil like we looked at orange juice. Oh, I think that's actually a, a really good comparison, right? So basically orange juice, is an orange, really healthy food, but then have much of the nutrition stripped out. Almost all the fiber, for example. And the same thing with, um, you know, so walnut oil, for example. You take walnuts, you strip away all the fiber, all the plant protein, uh, most of the, uh, uh, all the minerals, most of the vitamins, the fat-soluble vitamins, and you're left with just the walnut oil. So it's really stripped away food. And same thing with olive oil, same thing with any of these oils, where, where you're just left with kind of concentrated calories, basically. Um, Same thing with fruit juice, same thing with table sugar. You take a sugar beet, where most of our sugar comes from these days, you remove all nutrition, you're left with just the sugar. It's better to eat the beets. Um, It's better to eat the walnuts. Unfortunately, olives are, uh, they're salted and brine, you know, so yes, it's better to eat the olives, but it's too much sodium. So you got to kind of moderate your intake, but take that olive oil and use it for massage oil. (laughs) Oh yeah. When you use it for massage oil, does it, it goes into your body it does not, unless you're an infant. The skin of infants is so thin that you can, so if you use coconut oil, for example, to massage an infant, they actually, the level of saturated fat in their bloodstream actually goes up. So you don't want to be doing that. But, but as adults, we have an impermeable skin layer. So you can rub, you can rub lard all over your body <laughs> and uh, you would be no worse off for it. Oh man, I'm so glad. I, I wish this conversation could go on longer. I have two things that I also, also that I eat a lot of that I have to ask about. One of them is nutritional yeast. I start. I used to put like a like a tablespoon in in a bowl of soup, and now I put in like when I make my stews, I put in a cup for that would be for maybe five meals worth. Yeah, and uh, it's also B twelve. So and like my urine is like bright yellow. <laughs> if it's fortified with B twelve, yeah, yeah, it is. And I check with the with the food store where I get it in bulk. Right. Yeah. Uh, any problems with nutritional yeast? I eat a lot of it. It tastes so good. As you good. should. And there's all sorts of benefits. I've got lots of videos about the benefits with only two exceptions. And that's those with Crohn's disease and those with a condition called hydradenitis separativa. Those people shouldn't eat uh, nutrition yeast or any other yeast, such as bread yeast or, or brewer's yeast. 
But everybody else should be enjoying a nutritional yeast, which is just like concentrated umami as this really savory flavor. You can put on popcorn, you can put on anything. Uh, yeah, no, I have it in a little shaker and uh, sh- sprinkle it on uh, almost every meal. Oh, man, you said shaker. I'm going to show you. Here's my... So the people are listening, they don't see that. Here's my like oats that I have in the morning. Nice, nice. And, and it is my, this is my two cup thing. I don't know if you can see the yellow in there. Cause <laughs> I also use this, that's how much nutritional yeast and turmeric I put in. And oh, it's great. like, uh, oh yeah, turmeric. I've had that another daily dozen thing. Yeah, good. Also another thing, I eat a lot of defatted peanut flour. Oh. It happened because someone bought me some PB2. Yeah. But it was packaged and they had sugar and salt. And it turns out you can go upstream and buy it like from the sources and it's really cheap. And I think on the one hand, it seems like peanuts are healthy. Mm. And then if you take out the fat, it seems like more healthy. But on the other hand, it's also refining it. Mm. And I wonder if you have thought, if you know research or have thought much about defatted peanut flour. Yeah. So uh, same peanut flavor, fewer calories. So if you're uh, trying to lose weight and really like peanutty things. That's certainly an option. Well, unfortunately, what you're doing by powdering anything mm-hmm. is you're starving your microbial self. So when you eat peanuts, oh, the same thing would happen with peanut butter too. But if you eat peanuts, the actual peanuts, no matter how well you chew, you get these uh, little peanut particles, which uh, contain tens of thousands of intact cells surrounded by indigestible cell walls, make it all the way through your digestion and become a bounty for your good gut flora. And that's how we were meant to eat. I and mean, there's no such thing as uh, flour mills or, or blenders on the savanna. And so we were meant to eat structurally intact foods. And such that there's this plethora of bounty for our uh, good gut bacteria. I did this fascinating video recently where they, they give people ground food versus the same food. So they give people hummus versus chickpeas and muesli versus like a powdered muesli, basically. Exact same foods. Exact same amounts, but you, I believe they doubled the stool size of people eating the whole food. I mean, the, the intact, they're both whole foods, all whole foods, but the intact whole foods, and that's, and so they double the stool size, and people don't realize st- stool is not mostly undigested food. It's actually pure bacteria, mostly trillions. The majority of stool is pure bacteria, and you may, and that's why you can double stool weight. You can make your uh, a good gut bacteria fruitful and multiply by eating <laughs> foods I'm in their intact form. So if you ate peanuts, it'd be better for your gut flora than if you ate peanut butter or if you ate powdered peanuts, whether or not it's defatted. So if my takeaway is that the defatting isn't, okay, the flour, making it into flour is going to make it, is going to rob my gut flora. Right. That doesn't sound to me so horrible. And it, oh, wait, Well, for you, it's not horrible, right? Because you have the happiest gut flora in the world. All you're eating are all these prebiotics, right? Uh, fiber and resistant starch all day long. You're packing all this good stuff in there. So yeah, so I'm, for you, I'm not worried about peanut butter. But for you, like standard American, that, that may be their sole source of, of whole plant foods, right? Is actually eating a, a bag of peanuts on an airplane. That can be like all the fiber they got that day. So I don't want it to be powdered at that point. Okay, because I found out that if I mix the peanut powder with cocoa powder and cocoa nibs and chop some fruit in there. It's pudding. Delicious. Yeah, it's really good. You know, I know we're running out of time. I don't know if you've experimented oh. around. One thing I've found is some peanut powders taste way better than others. And so if you've just tried one and you're like, this is gross, keep trying them. 
And you might find one that actually really tastes, I mean, some just taste like sawdust. It actually doesn't taste like peanuts at all. And that's the whole point. I mean, you're, you're eating because you want to eat that peanut taste. So I don't know if you found a really good brand, but I encourage people to shop around. Oh yeah. There's this um, roasted, unroasted, there's 12%, there's 28%. Yeah. I've tried them all. And like, I get, I actually like them all. Oh, uh, really? So I got okay. that way. Now I have to, before we close, I have to, I don't know how often you're in New York city, but I invite you over to one of my famous no packaging vegetable stews. No obligation. But when you come I'm, like, I'm going to be there in two weeks for the plant-based expo, uh, June 7th, something like that. I invite you over for one of my famous no packaging vegetable stews. I bet you will be, even you will be more than pleasantly surprised at how good it tastes and how quick and easy it is to make. Sounds delicious. So uh, I want to close. Anything I didn't think to ask or anything, any direct message to the listeners? Oh, uh, just uh, sharing the good news that we have tremendous power over our health, destiny, and longevity. The vast majority of premature death and disability is preventable with a uh, plant-based diet and other healthy lifestyle behaviors. And even if you don't care about your health, think how much longer you'll be able to be on this earth to save it. Dr. Michael Greger, thank you very much. I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. I'll, I'll try to find you at the expo. And hopefully see you with first, hopefully host you for some famous no-packaging vegetable stew. Great. Thank you again. Bye. See ya. I hope by the end of the conversation that I got over the giddiness from the beginning. I still wanted to show off my pride and joy of my eating habits. So on my counter are the cider vinegar I'm making from scratch. Plus I pickled some radishes and carrots and turnips after making sauerkraut with cabbage and a bunch of other things I never knew how to do before. But now I'm making just for fun and literally for fun. Friends come over and we make it together. It's fun. And it doesn't take extra time. I certainly would have thought it would. For the record. I used to go clubbing and party with world-famous DJs, celebrities would be around. If you had suggested to me then that I would love vegetables as much as I do now, I would look at you like you're crazy. Now, I wish I'd started this earlier. You'll notice how I didn't ask him about his environmental values or challenge, which is something I like to ask all my guests. Well, first of all, he talked about his values and his way of improving the world at the beginning, talking about how he got into nutrition facts. But we had a fixed time. I couldn't go on forever. And I wanted to ask about nuts defatted peanut flour, nutritional yeast, since I eat a lot of those, and I feel they're almost too good to be true. I just wanted to check with him. Actually, I didn't get to one of my questions about onions. I mentioned these because I really wanted to get to a lot of different topics. As the clock ticked down with the amount of time that we had available, I indulged in asking my personal questions at the cost of asking my usual questions. I hope you don't begrudge my indulgence, but I hope you also sensed what I was hoping to get out, the joy involved in this lifestyle. He and I talked about how We get how it looks from the outside if you're used to a standard American diet, or even if you're used to a kind of healthy diet, but food is indescribably delicious to me now. I I can't describe how much this has changed. I hope people are saying, yeah, Josh, we know it's like that for us. But if you're like I was last year, a couple years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, it would be unbelievable. And I hope that that came out in my interest in food and what we talked about, because you can't really tell someone what something tastes like but it's a source of undescribable deliciousness, a source of undescribable pleasure, joy, meaning, value, importance, and purpose, and passion, community, and all those things. And I produce maybe 10% the trash that I used to, maybe even less. As an aside, I get the same rewards from not flying. That's a little hard to describe. Well, I can't describe either of them, but it comes. So if you're listening to this and thinking of ways that you can act, food is definitely a place where, at least from my experience, there was a lot more that I expected. And if you're looking for a place to start, I certainly recommend it.
feel inspired to, then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.